Okay, so on a scale from one to weird, how awkward would it be to give my neighbors wildflower seeds with a note that says, save the bees, don't spray your dandelions, please? Because <laughs> I might do that. And I'll get right to the point. This isn't just about the bees. This is about all the pollinators. And my friend Carrie from Haw River Homestead shared a post on Facebook the other day. And she said, I know that there are millions of plights, but we need bees and butterflies and locusts and moths and grasshoppers to produce food and keep ecosystems in place. And I could not be like praise enough because she is so right. Without pollinators, with bees specifically, we would lose a third of our foods. But not only that, approximately 80 to 95% of the plant species found in natural habitats require animal-mediated pollination, which means 80 to 95% of our plants require a pollinator to reproduce. So without our pollinators, our plant species die too. Like Carrie said, we need pollinators for our ecosystems and we cannot live without the benefits these ecosystems provide, yet we're sitting by while they're being destroyed. Not to be dramatic or anything, but if our ecosystems die, we die too. So loss of habitat is the number one reason the pollinators are dropping off, followed by pesticide use. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says... As native vegetation is replaced by roadways, manufactured lawns, crops, and non-native gardens, pollinators lose the food and nesting sites that are necessary for their survival. So let's talk about the monarchs for a minute since a lot of people are familiar with them and there's a ton of information about them and they're basically my third children. So in the 80s, 10 million monarchs overwintered in California. If you don't know, they're a migratory butterfly. They fly down to Mexico for the winter or California, and then they fly up north uh, for summer breeding, living, loving life, you know. Um, While this year, there are only 28,429 monarch butterflies overwintering in California. That's it. It turns out in the past two decades, 20 years, you guys, two decades, We've effectively wiped out 90 to 97% of the monarch population. And I just kind of want to scream, like, what are we doing? First, I just want to say that raising a few monarchs every year and releasing them back into the wild ASAP isn't going to F up the populations. In fact, conservationists have encouraged people to become what they call citizen scientists to help raise, count, and tag monarchs. But... The mass rearing and captive breeding of monarchs doesn't help, nor does the fact that monoculture farming and, yes, GMOs, have destroyed their habitats here in the Midwest. In fact, monarch butterflies may have lost more than 165 million acres of habitat, which is an area about the size of Texas, including nearly a third of their summer breeding grounds. So now that I've given you some doom and gloom, (laughs) let's lighten the mood a little bit. Even though we have destroyed a good amount of the monarchs. The yearly count of monarch butterflies overwintering in Mexico that was released on January 30th shows an increase of 144% from last year's count and is the highest count since 2006, occupying nearly 15 acres of forest in Mexico, which is up more than six acres of 2018 winter, which is so good, right? It's good, you guys, if you're not excited. I'm excited enough for both of us. But our work isn't done. So just like we need to rethink the way we package everything, can we just say goodbye to single-use plastics, please? 
We need to rethink the way we grow our food with the earth instead of against her. We need to rethink the way we landscape our homes and our city parks. Anything we can do to help the bees or the monarchs is in turn going to help all of our pollinators. Even if you live in the suburbs like me, these are our ways we can all help our pollinators. So, we can plant native plants and wildflowers in our yards. I am new to the suburbs, in this area at least. Um, we were living in the country before, and I live in an HOA, and you kind of have to get things approved for your front yard, which I hate. I hate it so much, but I am this year, I'm going to just take big pots um, fill them up with dirt and put wildflower seeds on top of them and basically have a mobile uh, wildflower lawn. I love using American Meadows. Uh, That's where I get all of my wildflower seeds. I'm not affiliated with them. I just love what they do and what they provide. And when you do plant your native plants and wildflowers, it's important to make sure that there's something in bloom each season. So spring, summer, fall, and Oh, the seeds at American Meadows are GMO-free and neonicotinoid-free. So let's talk about neonicotinoids really quick. If you buy your plants from big box stores, check them for neonicotinoids before you buy them. Neonicotinoids are an insecticide. Uh, They have been bred into your plants and flowers. Keith Delaplane is a professor of entomology and he said that neonicotinoids are one of the most serious causes of downward negative pressure on pollinators. So like I said, a lot of big box stores will have uh, plants for sale and they will say that they are protected by neonicotinoids if you look on the tag. Please read this as infected by neonicotinoids because the neonicotinoids are a systemic uh, insecticide which means they essentially infect the entire plant by going through its system, including the pollen and the nectar. And even though people consider neonicotinoids to be less hazardous to humans and other small mammals, as an insecticide, it's meant to target garden pests, but the plant doesn't be like, oh, wait, this is a bee. Don't protect this plant. Abort all poison. It hurts the pollinators too. So just avoid buying them. Also, I mentioned I live in the suburbs now, right? And I've been getting these pamphlets in the mail from different lawn companies and I die a little bit inside every time I see your neighbors use us and they like put my neighbor's address, which is really awkward. Um, Even though I live right next door to them, I just think it's so like super weird. So I die a little bit because I don't think we should be spraying our lawns. I have this little saying I made up last year. It says, save the bees, don't spray your dandelions, please. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this uh, podcast. Just stop spraying. Dandelions are some of the bees' first foods, and aside from the fact that I think they're cute, they're yellow, they're bright, they're happy, they fight cancer, they can be used for healing, and they only last about a month anyway. So if you really want to get rid of your dandelions, pull them up by the roots and roast the roots for a coffee substitute. And most people are familiar with honeybees, but did you know that there are 20,000 bee species My mind exploded the other day. It's incredible. So instead of being like, oh my gosh, I have to be a beekeeper now to save the bees. Instead, you can make a bee house for non-honeybees and solitary bees and just bees that aren't honeybees. When planting your backyard garden, uh, consider using heirloom seeds instead of GMO seeds. 
I come from people in big agriculture. My grandfather was the dean of agriculture at Brigham Young University, and his people farmed for years. I think my cousins actually may still farm potatoes and carrots in Utah, but I don't actually know. Anyway, I don't want to fight about GMOs right now, so don't at me. But if you are looking to order some heirloom seeds, Baker Creek is a great place to start, and they have an amazing assortment. They go all over the world, and they cultivate seeds um, and grow them and make them available to us, which is so cool. Hybrid seeds are okay too. And this is my favorite, 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 favorite thing. You can plant host plants for butterflies, like milkweed for the monarchs, dill and fennel for swallowtails, sunflowers for painted ladies and these gorgon checker spot butterflies. Um, I don't know why they're called gorgon. It sounds kind of like a monster, but they're the cutest. Uh, plantain is... The host plant for one of my favorite butterflies, the common buckeye butterfly. And if you actually stop spraying your lawn, you're likely to have plantain pop up. You'll see it in the sidewalk sometimes. And um, I think it's a good poison ivy relief too, if I remember right. But anyway, you can support local farmers and growers. One, because monoculture farming isn't great. And two, because chances are they aren't using millions of acres of former prairie to farm corn, cattle, and soy. Instead, they're likely farming sustainably in a way that helps the earth and our pollinators. You can also plant a wildlife garden in place of your yard. And I mean, you can still have a yard. I still want a place for my kids to jump on the trampoline. But um, sod requires more water than native or perennial and drought tolerant plants. And it doesn't provide pollinators with food or a shelter. You can also plant native shrubs for nesting birds. I'm super excited to turn our backyard into a pollinator oasis and possibly our front yard if I get brave enough to face the HOA, so. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would so appreciate a little review or share it with someone who might like it too. Bye.